Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts right after this. Agroplante is the leading manufacturer in specialty products. Agroplante formulates products that rise to the challenge of today's growing conditions. Saline and sodic soils reduce crop yield and cause significant crop losses. Agroplante developed Cation EX5 Plus with growers in mind to manage soil salinity. With multiple years of research, Cation EX5 Plus has proven to be an excellent source of calcium and an effective soil salinity manager. Run it through drip irrigation without any issues. Simplify your application method with innovative and efficient formulations. Alleviate salinity stress with Cat Ion EX5 Plus. Agroplante, imagination, innovation, science in action. A new study that is estimating cost and potential returns for growing raspberries on the Central Coast is available for free from the University of California Agriculture and Natural Resources, UC Cooperative Extension, and the UC Davis Department of Agriculture and Resource Economics. The UC Cooperative Extension study focuses on raspberries grown in Santa Cruz, Monterey, and San Benito counties for the fresh market. The cost study models a management scenario for a 45-acre farm, 42 acres of which are planted to raspberries. The remaining acres are for the irrigation system, roads, and buildings. Each study describes the cultural practices used for establishing, producing, and harvesting raspberries, including land preparation, soil fertility, pest management, irrigation, and labor needs. The study also includes information for costs of operation, material inputs and costs, and cash and non-cash overhead costs in a variety of formats for three production years. Something to note on the study is that the authors are using the California 2023 minimum wage and overtime rules. For information and to take a look at the study, log on to costudies.ucdavis.edu. The title of the study is 2023 Sample Costs to Produce and Harvest Raspberries. Again, costudies.ucdavis.edu. The California Dairy Innovation Center has announced the latest short courses to be offered in 2024, as well as dates for the second Dairy Products Processing and Packaging Innovation Conference. The Dairy Products Processing and Packaging Innovation Conference returns to Shell Beach, California, February 27th through the 29th. The conference will feature presentations on packaging innovation by McKinsey and Company and dairy industry leadership panels. The program will focus on sustainability advances at the dairy plant level and throughout the supply chain. The detailed program and speakers is available online at dairy.calpoly.edu. CDIC is collaborating with Cal Poly San Luis Obispo to organize the event with support from the Pacific Coast Coalition, Dairy Management Incorporated, and the California Dairy Research Foundation. Los Angeles-based Sweet Green, the mission-driven restaurant brand serving healthy food at scale, has announced a launch of its New Year Full You campaign to celebrate filling up on delicious food. The campaign, which includes a remix of a new menu favorite, offers customers even more ways to kick off the new year with food that makes people feel good, according to the company. Consumer interest in protein-forward food continues to soar, with recent reports citing online searches for the phrase high protein reaching a five-year high. As a brand that challenges the fast food industry with ingredients 
ingredients that are equally as fresh and delicious as they are filling, Sweetgreen is bringing customers even more ways to fuel healthy lifestyles with high-protein options. Sweetgreen is adding the barbecue salmon protein plate to its newly launched protein plates category. Customers can order the new barbecue salmon protein plate, a craveable meal built around Sweetgreen's fan-favorite salmon roasted in olive oil, featuring 33 grams of protein. Served alongside a hearty double scoop of wild rice, hot roasted sweet potatoes, and daily house-made vegetable slaw, the new protein plate is topped with Sweet Green's exclusive honey barbecue sauce. Sweet Green's barbecue sauce is made in collaboration with two-time world barbecue champion chef Charlie McKenna of Lily's Q. Available only at Sweet Green restaurants, better for you sweet and smoky barbecue sauce is naturally sweetened using clean label ingredients like honey and date syrup and is free of refined sugars, artificial stabilizers, or preservatives, once again, according to the company. The California Land Stewardship Institute and Fish Friendly Farming are hosting a climate conference on January 17th, that's this Wednesday, at the Sonoma County Fairgrounds. The event, Agriculture and Climate Conference, adapting today for tomorrow's changes, will address current and future climate impacts facing California's wine-growing community. The event, titled Agriculture and Climate Conference, adapting today for tomorrow's changes, will address current and future climate impacts facing California's wine-growing community and will educate on climate adaptations, according to Oregon organizers in a news release. The full-day conference will provide climate education, training and support for wine growers and those working in agriculture. An impressive lineup of speakers and panelists has been secured and includes state policy experts, wine growers, fire experts, meteorologists, water supply experts, and ecologists, according to organizers. Presentations and discussions will include past climate effects in California and an overview of predicted temperatures, droughts, and fire conditions throughout the Northern California wine country for the the next 100 years. The effects of these conditions on wine growing, water supply, and wildfire will also be talked about. Tickets to the event are $20. That does include a box lunch. The day will conclude with a tasting of wines grown from heat-tolerant grape varieties. The full agenda, a list of speakers, and registration information can be found on the website at ag-climateconference.org. That's ag-climateconference.org. Church Brothers Farms, based in Salinas, has announced that Amelia Firm has joined the company as vice president of packaging procurement. She has a 42-year career in purchasing, including 26 years as a director of purchasing at Organic Girl LLC. In her new role, Firm will assume responsibility for all aspects of packaging procurement, including supplier relationship management, material procurement, and cost controls. Her extensive industry background and unwavering dedication to quality and innovation will make her a valuable addition to the Church Brothers Farms leadership team, according to the company. Firm's career is characterized by her commitment to nurturing long-term supplier partnerships and relentless pursuit of operational efficiency and excellence. Her accomplishments at Organic Girl LLC, where she played a pivotal role in developing industry-leading packing solutions, attest to her expertise and innovation, once again, according to the company. In addition, Church Brothers has announced the promotion of Amy Thorpe to Director of Packaging Materials. Thorpe has been a member of the Church Brothers Farms team as inventory improvement manager and has more than 12 years experience as procurement manager for packaging and ingredients in a food industry. Prior to joining Church Brothers, she was a category manager at Dole Fresh Vegetables. According to the USDA, for this year, approximately 6.5 million tons of cheese will be produced in the United States, representing a 2% increase from 2023. 
The USDA states that significant investments have been made in expanding processing capacity to meet growing domestic and global demand for cheese. In 2024, that expanded capacity and the accelerated growth in milk production is expected to drive the 2% increase. On a percentage basis, this means that there would be more milk going towards U.S. cheese production than ever before. A slowdown in the growth of milk production in 2023, coupled with relatively strong domestic demand, limited exportable supplies, and weakened U.S. price competitiveness in export markets. In 2024, larger supplies will support an 8% jump in exports to 466,000 tons, driven by higher import demand from Japan, China, Mexico, South Korea, and the Philippines. We're thrilled to announce that the North Valley Nut Conference is taking place on January 31st at Silver Dollar Fairgrounds in Chico, California. This event is held in conjunction with University of California Cooperative Extension. It's a golden opportunity for professionals in the tree nut industry. Network with our exhibitors and sponsors who are committed to your success in the orchard. Earn valuable continuing education units and expand your knowledge on the latest industry trends. Listen to our expert speakers, share valuable insights and practical advice, but attendance is filling up fast. So make sure you visit myaglife.com backslash events and register today. We hope to see you there. So there's a much different landscape competitively uh, out there right now and will be into the future. And uh, we need to navigate that with new positioning for almonds and really ensure that our competitive profile and the reasons for eating almonds and our relevancy with the newer generations, you know, is where it needs to be for us to keep ourselves profitable and keep the industry growing to the extent it can based on production. Outgoing Almond Board of California CEO Richard Waycott sharing his thoughts about future success in the almond industry. Waycott, who will be succeeded by incoming CEO Clarice Turner, came on to lead the board in 2002 and had a sizable role in the evolution of the almond industry to what it is today. Most notably, the reputation change the tree nut has received in the eyes of consumers, dietitians, and product innovators. He reflected on his time with the board on a recent episode of the Almond Journey podcast, including this evolution. When I reflect back on the wisdom of that, it was a little bit of, of, of luck, but at the same time, we knew we had to, to do something rather significant in terms of changing the positioning of almonds with health professionals and with the consumer in order to expand production. So lots of learnings went on, lots of trial and error went on, but ultimately we really led the tree nut industry in that regard over many years. And it allowed us to expand domestically in terms of per capita consumption from under a pound per person to about 2.3 pounds per person today. It uh, provided health professionals with the information they needed to uh, counsel their patients and speak at uh, medical forums and scientific gatherings, et cetera, on the, on the dietary benefits of almonds. And it allowed food processors and product innovators to consider using almonds more and more as an ingredient. And through all that process, obviously, developing a health uh, reputation, a health halo, if you will, for almonds that then uh, in and of itself created momentum 
with new products being launched that had almond content and took advantage of that health halo that had been created. So it was quite uh, quite the journey that had all sorts of ramifications to it, mostly positive. And then, of course, overseas, our efforts to take that message around the world became part of our portfolio with you know sound science backing it up, but obviously local applications of the messaging in the major markets where we were trying to grow consumption. So very interesting, a uh, very interesting journey uh, and really sort of a case study, I think, of food product that had a reputation that had been built for years, not a negative reputation, but it was a it was a reputation that, that didn't have uh, many benefits to the product except for good taste and crunch. And then uh, building, you know, a whole new positioning for it over time. Uh, where, you know, it did become a, a food, has become a food that's just highly recommended by, by health professionals uh, as, as what should be part of one's daily diet. The almond industry essentially tripled in size during Waycott's tenure, and he said this was one of the most rewarding aspects of being a part of the board, not just the increase in almonds' popularity, but everything else that came with it. The incredible growth curve that this industry went through over 20 years, uh, tripling in size, and obviously all that that brought with it in terms of uh, the geographic expansion and the number of programs that we became involved in, the leadership we provided and provide to the tree nut industry and California agriculture in general, uh, the leadership in the health uh, space that Clearly, uh, we were sort of pioneers in and in the nut world anyway. Uh, and, uh, you know, all of the achievements in terms of winning over uh, consumers around the world. So uh, I, when I, I look back, there were a couple of, of threshold moments in terms of achievements uh, in the food safety arena and in the, the health arena. But I think Mostly for me, it was a wealth of good people and uh, solid family farms that I got to deal with over all these years uh, and an industry that really wanted to aspire and a board of directors, fortunately for me, that also wanted to really, you know, go go where no nut has gone before sort of thing, right? And so that was really exciting to be part of and to provide the you know, executive management that would take us there. So, yeah, it, it's been um, really a, a, del a delight. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed the industry. I've enjoyed this position. I've enjoyed all the challenges that I've had both personally and professionally. And it's been a, been a great ride, as they say. Waycott provided his advice and hopes for the future of the California almond industry. Uh, so as, as I hand over the reins here, we're in a different phase. We're not in the go-go growth years in terms of acreage. We're, we're not uh, probably going to grow the size of the crop or increase the size of the crop here very much for a while. And uh, we have a lot more competition in the world. We've got other origins that are producing almonds. We have the two main other origins, Australia and the Iberian Peninsula, poised to produce quite a bit more. Uh, and we have the other tree nuts around the world that are all increasing in supply 
And on top of that, we have the whole plant-based food movement and plant-based products that are also increasing in their offerings everywhere and touting a lot of the benefits that we owned for a while, if you will, uh, not recently, but certainly in the earlier years. So there's a much different landscape competitively uh, out there right now and will be into the future. And uh, we need to navigate that with new positioning for almonds and really ensure that our competitive profile and the reasons for eating almonds and our relevancy with the newer generations, you know, is where it needs to be for us to keep ourselves profitable and keep the industry growing to the extent it can based on production. I think also the, the whole area of biomass is fascinating with the fact that we produce the holes and shells that we do and the woody biomass that, you know, the crop per drop is basically four crops per drop that we produce and what we may be able to do in the future with the holes in a whole new way, by taking the blinders off of dairy cattle feed and uh, moving into human consumption with holes and other applications. Same thing with industrial applications for shells and even our woody biomass with the cellulose and possible uh, new products there. So uh, there's, there's a lot of new opportunity that I think is out there, but it's, it's quite different than the past. Not that we're giving up at all on the human health aspect of our product and future and the continued research we'll do in that area, but uh, be also you know, really opening up our viewpoints on other aspects of the industry that could provide future revenues, uh, cost reductions, expansion of markets, et cetera, that uh, we haven't uh, focused on in the past 20 years. A special thanks to the Almond Board of California for permission to use this audio. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Chalstrom. A deal on top-line spending figures that must be parceled into individual bills for USA and other departments has raised hopes of averting the first of two government shutdown deadlines. The deal largely gives Democrats the domestic and defense spending levels President Biden and former House Speaker McCarthy agreed to last spring, but it also gives Republicans $20 billion in accelerated IRS cuts plus pandemic aid clawbacks and is $30 billion less overall than the Senate spending bills. House Speaker Mike Johnson stressed in a speech last year the need for cuts. We have to bring relief to the American people by reining in federal spending and bringing down inflation. That included USDA, which House appropriators paired by more than $7 billion and replaced with pandemic savings. But that ultimately failed over an abortion rider and cuts to farm and food programs. House ultra conservatives call the new deal a total failure and could force Johnson to again rely on Democrat votes, which cost his predecessor his job. But Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer rejects conservative demands, including poison pill writers, and insists, as he did earlier, there is only one solution. He prevented in both September and November the government from shutting down. And in each case, the key word was bipartisanship. We can't do any of these things without both parties cooperating. And I urge Speaker Johnson to understand that as we approach the January 19th deadline. Lawmakers now have just 10 days to write USDA and other spending bills to carry out the latest deal. After that, they face a February 2nd deadline for remaining bills, including funding the Pentagon. 
USDA's Foreign Agricultural Service is awarding more than $200 million to nearly 70 agricultural organizations to help expand export markets for U.S. food and agricultural products. The expansion efforts will happen through the Market Access Program and the Foreign Market Development Program. Over the year, they've seen the tremendous impact both MAP and FMD have had on expanding U.S. export markets around the world, according to FAS Administrator Daniel Whitley. He says for each dollar invested in export market development, U.S. agricultural exports have increased by by more than $24. He calls these programs a significant boost to the agricultural industry, which in turn helps to strengthen the economies of communities across the entire United States. Through MAP, FAS will provide $174.3 million for fiscal year 2024 to 68 nonprofit organizations and cooperatives. Under FMD, FAS will allocate $27 million to 20 trade organizations that represent American agricultural producers. For more information, log on to FAS usda.gov The next meeting of the 2025 Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee is on January 19th. It is convened jointly by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the U.S. Department of Agriculture. During the event, the committee will hear updates from each subcommittee and discuss progress made since the third public meeting. Some of the topics include protocol development, evidence review and synthesis, draft conclusion statements, and plans for future committee work. HHS and USDA invite the public to participate in this important event by registering in advance to view the live stream. A recorded version of the live stream will be posted on dietaryguidelines.gov after the meeting. Since the first edition in 1980, the Dietary Guidelines for Americans provide science-based advice on what to eat and drink to promote health, reduce the risk of chronic disease, and meet nutrient needs. For more information, go to usda.gov. USDA's Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs, Alexis Taylor, is leading an agribusiness trade mission to India April 22nd through the 25th. USDA is now accepting applications from U.S. exporters who wish to join the trade delegation. There is no larger untapped market in the world for U.S. agriculture than India, and it's 1.4 billion consumers, according to Taylor. They achieved notable tariff reductions this year on chickpeas, lentils, almonds, walnuts, apples, frozen turkey, and many other products that will open market opportunities for U.S. farmers and the world's most populous country, she says. Total U.S. agricultural and related product exports to India, Nepal, and Sri Lanka exceeded $2.5 billion in 2022. January through October of 2023, exports reached more than $1.7 billion. India leads the region as one of the fastest growing economies in the world. The deadline to apply for the India trade mission is Monday, January 22nd. For information and to apply, go to fas.usda.gov. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Net Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. 
That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.